0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Citizen Salem. My name is Chris Paget, and I want to start off by reminding you about Pilcon, which is happening at the Peabody Institute Library Saturday, May 4th. We're going to be doing live episodes of Citizen Salem. I'm expecting a cat to be <laughs> to come and be interviewed. Uh, I'm expecting Grim Drops. Uh, he's a local artist. If you have been to the new Goodnight Fatty, you have seen his work on the walls there. And I am expecting local theater owner and actor Eric Rodenheiser to join me, too. Pilcon, Saturday, May 4th. It runs over All day long at the Peabody Institute Library. If you Google PilCon, you will find information Saturday, May 4th at the Peabody Institute Library. I'll be there from 1030 to noon, but it happens from 10 to 4 on Saturday, the 4th of May. So come by and say hi. I hope everybody had a great spring break, if that applied to you. Uh, I hope you had a nice Easter. I'm actually recording this Easter Sunday. There's a beautiful sunset outside my window right now. My parents came to visit me and the kids over spring break. And usually when they're here, we try to buzz into Boston at least once just to see something in the city. And this visit, we didn't. We spent pretty much the entire visit knocking around Salem. And we had the best time. We went to some new restaurants, we saw some sites they hadn't seen yet, and we went to some old favorites too, one of which is Kokeshi. This episode's guest is one of the two masterminds behind Kokeshi and Bambolina, Larry Liebowitz being one, and my guest this episode, Tim Haig. Do I need to get quite close to the microphone there, Chris? You don't have to, but if if you feel comfortable doing that, quite all right. (laughs) Uh, so if someone were to see you walking down the street, how would they know who you are?
1: I I think I, I think I'm a member of that group of people with funny walks. Yeah. I think so.
0: Are you officially in the ministry of funny walks?
1: That's it. (laughs) I'm a little bit embarrassed about my posture. How so? I think I walk with my toes out.
0: See a little bit of like a like a penguin waddle I going? I think I do.
1: Yeah. And I'm very self conscious about it, especially in the snow or sand. If I can look behind you in my steps track. and leave a track, and I'm like, oh, that's got that can't be good. <laughs> What's wrong with so, him? So I correct <laughs> so I so I correct it. Um how would they know who I am?
0: Do they follow your weird tracks in the snow to Bambolina? They might do. Yeah.
1: I did see some cool shoes that actually had soles like bear prints. Yeah, You know, a five pad and then some big claws.
0: I feel like those were made for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. You can delete this all if it's not going to work out. Oh, yeah. About 10 years ago, I was hunting in Florida. I enjoyed a hunt. I, li- I like to eat. Wild meat, right? Um, but I was hunting in Florida. I was probably about ten miles away from the nearest house, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, this is outside of Orlando. There's a lot of sand out there. I think you know the whole area was underwater, you know, hundred thousand years ago or something. Sure. Um, a lot of sand paths. I was out there, and there were footprints in the sand, and they were bare human footprints. Okay. Very defined toes, heel, human footprints. Sure. Kind of scared me a little bit. Okay. Out in the middle of nowhere, I'm wearing bright orange. I do have a gun, so I feel somewhat protected. Sure. And I'm following these footsteps, and they start to run. So I can see that it's just the balls of the feet and the toes, and there's no longer the heel print. Okay. And the stride is stretched out. And you can actually see the sand has been kicked Behind, from the person running, and it absolutely scared the crap out of me. I have no idea what was going on out there. Maybe the Hunger Games or something. I have no idea. One pair of tracks. No, nothing. Pair, nothing, nothing in them. pursuit. There could be like a mountain man out there. I would imagine he would have a very big beard.
0: Yeah. You like didn't long see like beard. a dragging like beard.
1: No. No. But okay. I would imagine the beard would be so long it would like hide his genitalia.
0: True. Maybe it kind of sticks out behind him like a tail and flaps in the wind. Makes sense.
1: Kind of makes me think of another Monty Python movie.
0: Yes. Yeah, I know.
1: The Life of Brian. (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, Tim, how long have you lived in Salem?
1: I think we've been here about six years.
0: How'd you end up here?
1: So, uh, Elizabeth, my wife, and I, and Alexandra, our eldest daughter, were living in Florida. We were working. I was working for a national catering company mm-hmm. at the time, and they had an opportunity to move me up to New England. Okay, and we jumped at the opportunity. Why? Uh, I think it was those footprints in the sand in Florida <laughs> kind of scared me.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense.
1: Um, I think Boston's always been, you know, an, an attractive city mm-hmm. to us. Definitely a good place to, you know, New England's a good place to raise kids. Mm -hmm. So we had an opportunity to move up here. We actually found an apartment in Framingham. And um, that apartment deal lease fell through in the last minutes before we were about to sign the lease. And I'm really glad that happened. It did mean that we were homeless for four or five days and we lived in hotels for four or five days until we found Salem. Okay and uh, we moved into one of the apartments downtown and we love it mm. absolutely love it i think we're, i think this is our for, forever city if there is such a thing
0: where were you prior to that florida and did you were you a vagabond for a while
1: or so we were just outside of orlando for about four or five years and before that we were in la elizabeth was finishing her degree out there in a university mm-hmm. just north of la hmm so it was a couple a couple of months a couple of years in la four or five years in Florida, and then we've been up here for six, six years.
0: What do you think, how, what connected with you about Salem? What, what was it that locked in? Was it any one? I,
1: I think the community is real important. We love everybody in Salem, you know? It's a very, like, warm and welcoming community. Mm-hmm. I think being next to the ocean is probably, like, my biggest thing. Yeah. I love the water, yeah. you know? Uh, we we try to spend as much time at the beach as we can mm-hmm. you know i just feel like there's like a cleansing that happens when you're near water yeah and i grew up in london which is probably 50 60 miles away from the coast you know which isn't a far trip but if, if you know
0: compared to, compared you, to you could here, throw, literally a throw a
1: rock throws sto- stones throw yeah, so um, I, I love Salem for, like, the sense of community. I feel like it's a small enough town where you can really get to know people. Mm-hmm. Um, very friendly people. We know most of our neighbours, and even if we don't know people, like, people will say hello walking down the street, you know? Right, right. Um, I think Salem being the proximity to Boston means that you, we don't feel like we're living in the sticks, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's definitely a much slower pace than, you know, being in a city, big right. city.
0: All right so you and Larry run Kokeshi and bambolina in downtown Salem. yeah, and the last election cycle that came around in Salem there was a lot of seemed like a lot of New Salem versus Old Salem, mm-hmm. and I feel like you guys and you know Chris and Mary, Mary Ellen from Notch are kind of on the you know, the bow wave of the new Salem and bringing in, you know, more nightlife and more restaurants and more things to do and giving people a reason to come here. Wow, cool. Um, Do you feel that or do you just feel like you're running a couple of restaurants?
1: I feel like we're running a couple of restaurants. I feel very, very proud that you grouped us with Mel and uh, Chris at Notch because I feel like what they're doing here is way more progressive than what we're doing. But I appreciate that. Um, well, I
0: have a couple of friends that live in Melrose, and every time we go to get together with them, they're like, "No, no, no, no we'll come to you," because there's yeah. there's nothing for them in Melrose, huh. you know, and in that in that area. And there's something happening here. Can yeah. you tell me the the how you? You know, the restaurant industry is, is an animal unto itself, but how you end up running a pizza place and a noodle place at the same time, like that's so two completely disparate <laughs> types of food. Am I right? Or is yeah. it kind of all the same stuff? Like, is, is, is a restaurant a restaurant?
1: So I think, I think that Larry and I, I'm going to speak for him as well, I think that we both like very approachable food, mm-hmm. and I don't think you can get more approachable than noodles or pizza. Yeah. And I think that Neapolitan pizza can be pedestrian in the sense you can get a margarita pizza and 99% of the population's gonna like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has the ability to be much higher end if we, you know, dress it, put, it up really. dress it up and, you know, put some fancy ingredients on there. And, um, and I think it's the same thing for noodles. Mm-hmm. You can have a pretty basic, um, comforting bowl of noodles. Or you can get pretty wild and put some fun ingredients in there and, you know, really make people hopefully think about, you know, what's going on in their food.
0: Did you ever think, especially with Kokeshi, did you ever think that maybe you were pushing it a little too far for what fairly recently was a sleepy, like, New England town? Like, now we're going to drop this crazy noodle place on your heads?
1: I think it took a little while for, for Kokeshi to build momentum. And I really think in the last six months it has, mm. you know. That recent. Yeah, I think in the last six, eight months, like we've seen a lot more repeat customers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, th- I, I think that has, I'm not quite sure what, what that's down to, whether it's just it took time for the name to get around or whether it just took time for us to get our systems down and really develop the menu and the quality. mm mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I don't think it's too progressive for Salem. I, I think, I think if Kokeshi was in New York city or in San Francisco, it would be a little bit dated and probably not as cool as some of the other noodle spots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in comparison to, to other places, it, it, st- it certainly stands out, or at least I like to think it does.
0: How does the local business keep the local community engaged? How do you keep the locals coming back?
1: I, th- I think um, keeping the menu fresh is really important, and that's something that, I don't know if we should say we struggle with, but it's something that we put a lot of emphasis to challenge. on. Yeah, challenge to keep, to keep the menu dynamic. So we obviously wanna keep like the, the core fan favorites on the menu, mm-hmm. like I think the Caesar salad's probably gonna be on the menu at, Co- at Bumbalina forever. But to keep, a, c- to keep a fresh mix of fresh ideas coming into the menu is definitely something that we gotta push ourselves hard to do continuously.
0: What do you do? Um, how are you making Salem a better place?
1: Gosh. I try to keep the people that are working at the restaurants as happy as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that having happy staff is more is the most important thing. Having happy staff will will, will create happy customers. Sure, so,
0: absolutely. trickles so right having,
1: down. So having a, a positive work environment is my number one goal. I think if people are enjoying themselves at work, they are going to provide better service and cook better food mm. and be happier about everything that they do. So I think, I think it's the jobs that we create are the most important thing to me.
0: Uh, I haven't been doing this in any because it's just on a, a personal level, Kokashi is hands down my favorite restaurant in Salem. Thank you. No, without a doubt. So. <laughs> thank don't <you>. tell Larry. <laughs> I can say that. Yeah. Don't, don't tell Larry. I don't want to go into his head. But, yeah. Thank you. All right, Tim. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I'm so embarrassed I started talking about naked mountain men dragging their genitalia through the sand.
0: I was hoping for the big payoff, and I stumbled across this shack, and it was full of alligator heads, alligator skulls, and there was a man. (coughs) The fact there was no resolution to that story kind of bums me out, to be honest with you. And that's my conversation with Tim Haig of Bambolina and Kokeshi. Thanks to Tim for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk to me. Thanks to Chris and Mary Ellen at Notch Brewing for letting us use their brewery to record this episode. Notch Brewing and Taproom is online at NotchBrewing.com. They're at 238R Derby Street in Salem behind Waters and Brown. Alex Asaka wrote and performed the Citizen Salem theme song on her ukulele. Citizen Salem is recorded and produced by me, Chris Paget. There's additional photography by Bowie Paget. You'll find that on Instagram. If you or someone you know would like to be featured here, please send me an email at citizensalem1626 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Citizen Salem.